Welcome to the Wake Before the Day podcast with my parents, Clark and Bobby. We're excited to talk about the Bible and the Holy Spirit adventures. Thanks for listening. You guys, welcome to the podcast. We're in the book of Galatians. Really good stuff. Lots to learn. Lots that Clark's going to talk about. And, and you too, Bobby. <laughs> We're just, you. It, it's a blessing to be on the podcast with you guys and, and reading scripture. So let's dive in. Yeah, let's pick it up. Verse one and two. Uh, Paul writes and says, after 14 years, he went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation and meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders. I presented to them the gospel that I had been preaching among the Gentiles because I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. What what essentially is happening here is Paul is wanting to line up with the rest of the Christian leaders mm-hmm. to make sure we're on the same page, right? Yeah. Because it's not like it would be terrible if mm-hmm. Peter's in Antioch preaching Good A, one thing. Paul's mm-hmm. in Corinth preaching B, while right. you know James and John are in Jerusalem preaching C. It's like, no, we, we're on the same page, yeah? Mm. This is really important. And the, as long as you hold to orthodoxy, so for us today, as long as you hold to the teachings of Jesus and the teachings of the Bible, and I would add, when it comes to the core things, the, the interpretation of the Bible that the early church has had and the right, church for the last couple of thousand yeah. years ha- has had, mm-hmm. then, you know, you, you're going to come to a place of peace and you might be thinking, well, what's an example of that? Well, for like in seminary, one of the things that people were debating for me and when I had my, uh, my, like my thesis, my exam at the end was baptism. And for, for us here in our cultural context, we're incredibly multi-ethnic here in Paramount in like Los Angeles, North Long Beach area. And so like I was talking to Pastor Richard the other day and in their Spanish congregation they have like 10 or 12 different countries represented. Right. Just in in their oh, their yeah. congregation. And then if service, you come to the yeah. English side I guarantee we got a number as well. Same, yeah. So with this though, I want to bring up baptism. So people are looking at baptism and sometimes especially those who come from the Roman Catholic faith and for us being in Southern California near Latin America I'm, I'm grateful. We have a, a, a yeah. large influx and a population here of people from Mexico and further south. So with that, when they're coming to Christianity and coming to like the, our church, they're running, I, I got to be baptized to be saved. I don't want to go to hell. Or you got to baptize my my child. I, I don't want them to die or stillborn baby. Like We've had all the situations thrown at us. Yeah. So one, you look to the scriptures and sometimes there's very clear examples like, oh yeah, it says this right here in First Corinthians. Right. However, sometimes you got to go back in church history and see how did the early church interpret the scriptures and how did they handle these problems throughout the years. Sure. And there's multiple examples of you know them handling the situation. Mm-hmm. And th- there was one I brought up in my my thesis exam where I said, "Hey, look, there's a lot of people who came from the Roman Catholic Church to the Protestant Church mm-hmm. hundreds of years ago, and they at the Protestant Church accepted their baptism as valid." And the reason why they accepted their baptism as valid is because baptism does not, the legitimacy of one's baptism does not fall in line and is not dependent upon like the morality or the behavior of the priest or the pastor. It's all about who God is and what God's doing. It's all about presenting this child, this infant or this adult before the Lord saying, Mm -hmm. we trust that the Holy Spirit is going to work in this person's life as they are brought into the covenant of faith because you are a covenant keeping God. Another example would be like worship music. People are fighting over like, what, this song is music, the drums, the 
the keyboard, the organ. Sure. I remember grandpa talking about how he like, they're, oh, he didn't yeah. get death threats, but there are people who are so mad at him when they started playing less of the organ and more of the piano. And oh, then they had the not only piano, and then they had the guitar. And oh, you're that, going, you're going straight to hell for playing that guitar. What is that? Yeah, and uh, <laughs> no. he worked through it. But my point here again is that, like, what Paul wanted to figure out here is like we're all expressing orthodoxy in different ways, but it's still orthodoxy, right? Like the content's not changing, but it might be a contemporary song. It might be a hymn. It, you might be sprinkled. You might be fully immersed. These things, whether it's baptism or singing hymns or praises to God. Don't change the content and the truth of what is in the message. However, they can be expressed in different ways. So different factors play into these decisions. Like uh, mm. as long as though they're getting back to the, or- the orthodoxy of the church and the gospel. Like what do we learn about God? Mm-hmm. What do we learn about grace? What do we learn about sin? And the call in the, is to focus primarily on who God is and what the scriptures have always said, not so much on our feelings and our experience. And that is why Paul had gone up to Jerusalem just to make sure again, while they are all on the same page, because what was happening in the context of Galatians is the Judaizers, the the Jewish leaders were imposing their ideas on other people. And there is incredible pressure today for us to experience what I would say is social conformity, where you're looking Mm -hmm. around at other Christians, other churches, other seminaries, other small groups and go, well, that looks like they're having fun or that seems to be quote unquote working. So we must just do what right. they are doing. Do yeah. An example of that is I remember in college as a young man, we'd have guest speakers come into chapel and preach and I needed to pay more attention than I did. And I was often doing my homework. I'm just being honest here. But when people did come in. Often doing your homework. Often doing my homework. Lord, Clark hey. repents right now. I did. <laughs> but Jesus name. Thank you, you for all the fun I, I had in college. It was great. I could tell when people came in, they just started talking and speaking where they were from. There was one specific seminary. I could tell these people had no idea who they were. They were teaching just like the person who taught them. The mannerisms, the tone of voice, the speed. And you're like, there's a conformity here that I would say is unhelpful because they don't even know who they are and they're not able to have their own voice Mm -hmm. while still holding to orthodoxy. So it's incredibly beautiful when we join with other people who worship the same God, hold the scripture, and express themselves differently, whether it's length of service, length of preaching, how people preach, choir, no choir, hymns, orchestra, worship team, piano or guitar, the list goes on and on, right? Um, potlucks at the end of service. Hold on to orthodoxy. Love that. Now, verse 4, he says this, This matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. And so again, don't miss the main point of why we're here. There's no like, hey, you have to follow Jesus and take a shower, or you have to follow Jesus and have long hair, or you have to follow Jesus and give a certain amount of money. That's not what it is, because these people had infiltrated the Christian church and were telling them, you're not really saved, you must do these other things. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, I'll turn it back over to you, Bobby. Verse 10, it says, all they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor. So when the Christians got together now, they're like, okay, we're holding on to orthodoxy. What are we going to do? This one specific instance in Galatia, they're saying, hey, remember the poor. This is a thing we have to keep doing. Hmm. This is another example of a social setting where a theological belief and a social circumstance are intersecting, saying, hey, in your community, here's a huge need. Here's a way you can live out the scriptures. Let's go. So in one community, it might be you have incredible wealth, 
but you need to have an after-school program to tutor the kids. And in our community, it's like we actually have to have a food bank and a clothing drive because people yeah. need food and clothes or they're going to be on the streets mm-hmm. hungry and naked. Right. And so you're holding on to orthodoxy, expressing yourself in different ways. That's good. Let's keep going, you guys. Yeah, you got it. Take it up at verse 11. Okay. When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. Because that's the big issue here, the Mm -hmm. circumcision versus uncircumcised. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that their hypocrisy, even Barnabas, was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, You are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? Boom, goes dynamite. So in your own words, explain to us what just happened. So Peter was kind of living a double life. Yes. He, with one group of people, he was someone. So he was eating with, you know, Gentiles. But then when um, more of the kind of like the Jewish background folks arrived, then he became, he drew back. So yeah. he was, you know, fellowshipping and he was eating with people who were not from the same background as some of his other friends. But then, you know, all of his kind of Jewish background friends showed up and he drew away from the Gentiles and was like, no, I'm not doing that. Mm -hmm. And so Paul's saying here, you know, Jews want to keep this superior status over Gentiles, but this is not, this is, I mean, really this issue, this is what Paul's, this is Paul's mission. Yeah. Is helping people understand that Gentiles actually belong in the family of God. And so he's calling Peter out. He's just saying, hey, you're not doing this. Yeah. And actually, here's a specific example. You're living a double life. Of how this happened and what this looked like. And so it wasn't because of dietary laws between the Jews and the Gentiles. It was just because Peter was doing something that was unbiblical. And his actions, uh, really his inaction, was affecting all those people around him. Mm Because they're looking at him thinking, how are we going to treat these people? And we see, oh, this is how our leader treats them. This is how we should treat them. And so really, a really good word here for all of us is that there's freedom and consistency. You know, God's word, the way of Jesus, these people have spent time with Jesus so they're, they're, you know, firsthand eyewitness people and the work of the spirit there. Those are all unchanging truths. Now, like you were talking about the early, I would have the early church also not as unchanging truth, but as something that's just consistent. Yeah. Like now we've kind of come to a place within the church where it's like, what do we think we should do with some of these issues? And it's like, no, not what do we think we should do? What does the Bible speak to? And then more than that, how have people that are, you know, we're not smarter than these people. We're not more gifted than these people. Let's look and see how they handled the word of God for thousands of years. Yeah. Because the truth is what Peter was doing, how he was kind of keeping like one toe in one camp and one toe in another camp, that's just exhausting. Not only is that not biblical, I don't even know as a human how you could continue that. Like there had to have been a point where this was just going to come to a head because it's For sure. Well, I think that's the story of every human being, all of us. Sure. To some extent in our sin, there's a double life. Um, right, our shadow. Shadow life, cells, yeah. right? Like, hey, maybe you're doing something on Friday night, and sure. then you show, or Saturday night, you show up to church, and you're clapping your hands, praising God, and someone oh, asks yeah. you how you're doing. You're like, my life is great. God is good. Everything mm-hmm. is going well. Well, behind closed doors, you're having an affair. You're getting hammered. You're looking at porn. You're really angry and bitter whatever that list could go on and on. And it's like, yeah, Yeah. you're harboring unforgiveness, whatever it is. 
And there's this double life that's occurring. And that, like you said, Bobby, that's exhausting. Yeah. And so when you say like there's freedom and consistency, I love that because God sets forth boundaries for us not to be a cosmic killjoy or a fun hater or to crash the party, but so that you can have life and life to the full. And so there have been surveys and studies done. One was like at a playground where there was a playground with a sandbox and no fence. And they measured the proximity and the distance of each child from the playground. And they all stayed within like 20 feet or whatever it was. And then they put a fence around this playground that was like 60 feet away. And it was like a big square. And the kids all went right up into the fence and they spread out and had more room. And I would say more freedom and more space to navigate and play and be creative than before when there was no quote unquote boundary. Mm. So I've said this a million times. I'll say it a million more. A fish out of water is a dead fish. That is not a free fish. A fish in water is a free fish because it's sticking to the boundaries which the designer created it to have. So when it comes to our life now, whether it's us relating to people who look like us or don't look like us, or it's uh, food and drink, or it's money, or it is ethical things today, when we're guided by the word, and look at how the church has handled this issue for a long time. There's incredible freedom to, to go to bed knowing, you know, I'm trying my best. This is God's grace. And I think the way we're living and why we're doing this is to glorify God. And it's lining up with what has been taught for thousands of years. I'm going to stick to that. Yeah. And, well, and there's right. that, uh, that line too. There's charity and clarity where when people are very clear, with like what they say, it's actually a mm. gift to other people knowing like, hey, here's where I stand, here's where we think, yeah. and then we're able to navigate back and forth. I mean, I appreciate this issue and Paul bringing it up because I think this is one of those things where, okay, like you've been walking now this like life of faith for a few years now. You're, you know, setting up your ministry, you're, it's kind of be, maybe becoming mundane, you know, what? because all of us can go through this. I, I heard a pastor talk about this early on when he was saved. I think he was like in high school or college. And he was like, I was just on a spiritual high. It was easy for me to give up all these big, really grievous like sins in his life, whether it was pornography, like that was actually easier for him. Cause he was like, Oh, just take it. This is, I can see now this is hurting me in my life. What was more difficult for him was 20 years later Hmm. or 10 years later when he was raising young kids, when he was trying to be faithful to his wife, when he was submitting um, and going to seminary or when he was really just like knee deep in ministry. And he's just saying like these thoughts that I'm having, I'm having more difficulty submitting them than I was submitting my physical body 10 years ago. And so I think this speaks to one of those issues. Like when you're, where we're saying he was one person with one group of people and he was a totally different person with a total, another group of people that I'm guessing is a good word for some people listening to. I know it's a good word for me, even just taking away like, Hey, be who you are. And that's the freedom of consistency. Like you were talking about, that's what orthodoxy allows us. That's what freedom in Christ allows us to do. It allows us to be ourselves it allows us to actually walk in as a gift in people groups with the spirit of truth and be who God made us to be wherever we are. Mm-hmm. So let's do that. Yeah, because today let's there's going to be a continued pressure to align yourself 100%. and conform yourself to political leaders and social movements. And the question you have to ask yourself is how does this line up with scripture? How yes. has the church handled this? And where is the fruit of the spirit being cultivated? 
It's good. Because at the end of the day, it's like we got to live our life in a way that will give glory to God mm-hmm. the best we can. And that's how this passage really ends. It talks about that a person is not justified, meaning that you can't stand legally before God forgiven. You don't stand justified by the works of the law, but rather by faith in Jesus Christ. And so when we put our faith in Christ Jesus, we're justified by faith because not the works of the law, but because of what Christ has done. So in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners. Doesn't that mean that Jesus Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. He says, if I rebuild what I destroyed then, then really I'd be a lawbreaker. For through the law, I have died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Mm -hmm. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do this. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, then Jesus Christ died for nothing. Mm -hmm. When it says we died to the law, it means that you and I cannot fulfill the law, but Jesus came and perfectly, sinlessly, in a holy manner, fulfilled it himself. And when we repent of our sins and believe in Jesus, the righteousness, the holiness, the purity, and the goodness of Jesus is applied to us when we stand before God right now and come judgment day. And so he's saying, don't keep living in sin and take advantage of this beautiful gift that God gave you. Uh, Be responsible with what God's given you. And you shift from guilt to knowing uh, coming to understand how messed up our heart is mm-hmm. to come into grasp the beauty of God's grace going wow while I was a scumbag sinner lion cheating thieving Jesus died for me that is grace that is radical grace mm-hmm. what that gives birth to in our heart should be gratitude like thank you God yeah thank you for what you've done and then where that moves from your heart to then your hands and your feet and your head I want to live my life in a way that glorifies God because we're all guilty. And Jesus is the only one who can save. And he saves us from our sin, but he also saves us for something special, a life that's glorifying God by enjoying him. Mm -hmm. And so whether you're a stay-at-home mom, the way you parent is going to bring glory to God when you keep Christ at the center of that. If you're running a restaurant and you're flipping burgers and making burritos, the way you interact with Mm -hmm. your customers and your employees and the the way that you take care of the things that have been given to you Mm -hmm. can glorify God or not. The way that, you know, we live our life at school or work, invite the Lord into this. And like as verse 21 and 20 say, live life with Jesus as Savior and Lord. As Savior in the sense that like, God, thank you for dying on the cross and saving me from hell and bringing me into your kingdom. And as Lord in the sense that I'm going to obey the word of God and I'm going to do what you tell me to do basically with a joyful heart because I see where I've come from, what you've done for me and where you're bringing us. And that's just incredibly good news. That is really good news. I'm actually thinking right now as you're talking of the Romans road. Yeah. And one of the one of the very ends, I'm just thinking of the actions that our kids do. This is our act of true and proper worship. Yeah. Church of Galatians, this is our act of true and proper worship, that we live a, a life of a living sacrifice mm-hmm. unto the Lord, that we belong to him, mind, body, and spirit, that it's all his, and that we get a partner with him forever, now and in heaven. So thanks for listening. Galatians chapter two, you guys. Hope you're blessed. Uh, we'll get back with you, and it's going to be great as we continue in Galatians. Bye-bye. The Lord bless you and keep you. Don't make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give him his peace. Have a great day.